Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Narthex podcast. We have, well, I'm Adam, your, your normal co-host. Uh, Brian is not with me because I did not invite him. Um, instead, we have a special guest, uh, my buddy Jeff uh, from, man, what is it? We've <laughs> known each other for a long time now, yeah, dude. Yeah, I've been, well, oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, well, Jeff is, Je- Jeff, tell everybody about yourself a little bit. Uh, I am a, I'm in grad school at Lincoln Christian University in Lincoln, Illinois. Um, I am going to um, the seminary for my master's degree in counseling. Um, but during uh, my time here, I've had to do a couple classes on church history and church, um, well, church history and um, uh, systematic theology, stuff like that. And um one of the assignments we have to do has to do with multiple church histories and and uh thought this would be a great opportunity to um we'll see well i know adam was going to um you going to calvin right yeah yeah so yeah going to calvin so it's something a little different than ours um and then this is no way is like a like a it's just a comparison and it's just Oh man, I'm not this is going to be a full-on debate war. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna end. Feelings we're, are going to get hurt. This. It's going to be over. <laughs> Jokes are going to get made. Yes, yes. Things are going to uh, be said. <laughs> yes. So, um, but yeah, we've I've been I've gone to this university. I went there for undergrad, now grad school, and we're uh, deep into the restoration movement, and we'll get into a little bit about that in a little bit, but. That's that's where I'm at right now, and I will be actually graduating next in, in 2021. So that can, can't come soon enough. Must be nice, man. <laughs> Must be nice. I've, I I was talking to uh, my advisor yesterday uh, to get new classes for the next semester, and realized that I've not stopped going to school since high school. So. Yeah, right. That's uh that's a well, okay, no, I did take a a year in between undergrad and seminary, sure. but yeah, that would be rough. No, I'm cuz I I had felt because it took me 5 years to do my undergrad. Oh yeah, me too. And I was just like there's no way I'm going right into school again. No oh, I I graduated in December and started in January, so Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's <laughs> miserable. It was like, okay, here we go. Let's uh, see how quickly we can get this done. And, but when you're done, you're done, right? Or are you going yeah, exactly. to do like PhD stuff? I mean, you'd have to like threaten my life to make me <laughs> Unless you really wanted to pay for it and like pay me to do it, yeah. which is oh, not yeah. going to happen. Get the right job, dude. They'll do it for you. So. Nah, uh, not, not where I'm working. Not where you were. All right. So you're just, right. once you're done, you're done. Which oh, is yeah, a good definitely. feeling. That's a good feeling. Definitely. I can't wait. That's cool, man. Well, sweet. Well, we're super stoked to have you. I'm super stoked to have you on um, and, and to have this discussion. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of just the point of the Narthex podcast, uh, just for people tuning in, and uh, is just, just to have some good discussion about church and church life and uh, just some sort of not like super deep theology things, but, uh, but like stuff that kind of gets talked about in the narthexes of churches, you know, as people are considering their Bible readings from a week or what they've heard from a sermon or whatever, uh, this kind of comes out of that. Um, 
And sometimes when it, what people will talk about in the back of the church is uh, about the churches they came from or the churches that they grew up in. And so I think this is a cool discussion to have to talk about two different uh, denominations, two different churches, uh, compare them side by side and uh, also draw some differences and, and what makes us different, but what uh, ultimately unifies us, which is kind of cool as well that we're not, we're not like, again, like I joke, but like, it's not, it's not a fight. It's, Absolutely. it's just like, we're all on the same mission. So it's just about like, how, what are you guys doing with that? Or how did you even get here? Which I think is a good transition into the first sort of topic. I guess you can, if you, if you want to start it and then I'll kind of, I'll follow your lead on this stuff. You know, yeah, if you, sure. if you, if you spot off your stuff about restoration movement, describe that a little bit, the history of it. And then, yeah. and then I'll, I'll respond with some reformed church stuff. That sounds good. And we'll just kind of go tit for tat the whole way down this list. We actually did show prep, man. Yeah. Which is something Brian and I only very little we do. So. Well, I, I wanted to, if I'm honest, uh, I wanted to make sure that like it didn't sound oh, like yeah. I'm just kind of throwing this together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, right. Like this is a project. Get, like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to like, yeah. Not my professor going, what the heck is he talking about? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, like Brian and I normally like, you know, a couple hours before we decide we're going to record, like, what do you want to talk about? I think I want to talk about this. All right. What do you think about it? Oh, I think about this. What do you think? Well, I think this. Cool. Let's do it. Well, I bet so, you it would have been a little different, say, if I had, um, uh, I mean, if, if it were an assignment, I'm sure I'd take it a little differently, but still oh, be a little yeah. prepared. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good. We've been sitting on this stuff for like a week and a half. So. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm ready, man. Kick it right. off. All right, so the uh, the history of our university is a lot of to do with the um, restoration movement. It's also um, the Stone Campbell movement, which is um, uh, by a guy named Barton Stone and Thomas and Alexander Campbell, which is Alexander is Thomas Campbell's son, um, and they started off in a lot of them, a couple of them were, were, um, over in Ireland and in Scotland did school over there and then came over to the United States to, um, to help with the, uh, promotion of more biblical, um, teaching. And, uh, so in this movement, we have, um, we have a combination of a couple of different things. Um, Stone was a, a originally a Presbyterian minister, um, and he was inspired by a um, a revival that happened at Cane Ridge in 1801 that was focused primarily on reliance on the Bible alone. So, um, a, a lot of some of the beliefs that happen in the Restoration Movement are um, on Scripture alone. Um, so, one of the big things would be uh, where scripture speaks, we speak where scripture is silent, we are silent. So there's not, a, they don't, they didn't have a big, strong focus on any other additional creeds, any other teachings outside of the Bible. Whereas a lot of others do, and I'm sure that you might have something more to say about that one. But we um, did not have a strong focus on other creeds or anything outside of the New Testament. 
not that we didn't believe not that the, there was yeah. anything wrong with the new testament but there's a big strong focus on the new testament right on yeah yeah so out of this there came um the churches of christ um and before that were the disciples of christ and church of christ there was a split there um but there's a strong call for um this movement to be only um only have christians labeled as christians not like any other thing but christ um and uh basically they call for unity um in a lot of the those uh, i would say those churches so one of the things that um happens in this um with with campbell at least is there's a strong focus on unity or even restoration which is this is strong well this if we're looking at the name of our movement the restoration movement there is a call to unity and so essentials uh there's unity and opinion liberty and on all things love which is I think um, something that we can definitely discuss um, because there's a lot of things where we can see as essential, like, um, uh, you know, faith, um, like remission of sin, baptism at some points, and then, um, you know, eternal life in, in Christ. Um, and I'm sure that's something we can discuss. Yeah, sort of holding those core doctrines, right? Like, and that we kind of talked about it doing prep was like um, how like the sort of the Apostles' Creed or like, and like the Nicene Creed and stuff like that. Those like really ancient creeds sort of are like the standard. Absolutely. And like, like if you can hold to those, if you confess to those, and like those are the essentials. And then sort of the the non-essentials or the opinion things or the whatevers. Um, you know, it's kind of like, eh, like, you know, like you're still a Christian. If you don't hold to this, that's fine. Absolutely. And then yeah. like the charity piece or the love piece um, being like, yeah, so we, we hold our, our catechisms, confessions, um, you don't, or, you know, the Presbyterians have their own or the Baptists have their own. And so it's like, well, we, we still love them. Um, even oh, sure. If we disagree. Yeah. So stuff like There's, that. Yeah, I, I definitely. There's not a whole lot of, um, well, I I think I like a lot of the creeds, but there's not a whole lot of creeds used in these. Um, there's primarily a big focus on the um, on the New Testament scriptures, and one in right. particular that is very. Um, one that's used a whole lot is John 17, um, 17 through 23. Um, and in that, um, that scripture is uh, in the ESV would be uh, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world. So I, so I have sent them into the world and for their sake, I consecrate them that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
the glory that you have given me in me i have given to them that they that they may be one even as we are one i in them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me so there's a very strong i would say a uh, a call for unity and a um the help to restore um the church as a function as i would say unity even i think there's an intention a uh, strong intention for unity within this um movement i think what's funny though to me is this this chart you sent me Oh yeah, and maybe I'll figure out a way to like link that in show notes for for listeners. But oh sure, but this 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 chart, like, because that's one thing that like got me when we were talking about this was like sort of this unity piece that's central, but like there is this idea that like the church, the rest of the church outside of the restoration movement, um, Luther, it's got Lutherans, Episcopal, Methodist, Congregational. Presbyterian Baptist Catholic and then Greek Orthodox and it's got them all sort of like I think it's a funny chart too because it's like the ones that they're like I don't think it's not intentional that some of them are like red sure (laughs) and then like a light red and then like yellow and blue and a light blue and then like the restoration movement is like because that top bar that Church of Christ timeline which is yellow and then the restoration movement is like yellow with green and and, and like at the a, very like end of it, it's heaven, which is really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, like, so that just kind of like, oh yeah, heaven. Yeah, like they're the closest ones. <laughs> I didn't even see that there. <laughs> oh man, I hope I can link this. This is awesome. Um, so like seeing sort of a and like in there it says the church in wilderness that leads up right until the restoration movement. So sort of saying like the rest of the church up until 1793 is when this thing is dated. Yeah. It's been in the, it's been in the wilderness sure, like the whole and I, time. And so I, I guess I'm just like, I, I, I guess I'm curious how that gets sort of, I don't know. Everything before 533 is considered okay. It looks like, but from 533 to 1793, it's like, ah, the church was just wandering around all over the place and then know what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I don't know. Like, so I, I guess like what, what part of the restoration movement, cause this is a thing that like talking about like heavy reliance on the new Testament and uh, like, yeah, you use the old Testament and stuff. You kind of said is like, so like what, what do they do with everything pre five thirty three? If you know, if not, that's fine. Cause so, I, like, I guess my, my questions are like, what do you do with, like we only like we only deal with scripture, but like scripture isn't really like the canon isn't really set until what like the third or fourth century, and so I don't know what do what do you guys do with that I guess. Um. So my understanding, um, and I'm no expert by any means, but my understanding would be that I just would say a very. I don't know. I would be more attached to scripture. Um, I don't know if I'm yeah. answering that correctly, but Very it's good. it's very like there's no anything outside of that. Um, 
I don't know if I'm answering that correctly. Because no, yeah, my, my thing is like, see, because my church history class, we started like first century, like just after, you know, all the, the apostles are, well, they're, they're kind of, some of them are still lingering and, and alive, but like, sure. we're really dealing with sort of that second generation of the church leadership um, after, after the apostles. And so, um, uh, like one of the things like w- we like got pointed out in our class is like, yeah, so scripture obviously not unified or canonized yet. And uh, a lot of things are just kind of floating around and a lot of epistles are floating around and, and, and the gospels are floating around. But like at the same time, there's, you know, there's these epistles from like not, uh, apostles, you know, the shepherd of, of Hermas and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but then there's this document, the Didache, which like basically is the Sermon on the Mount before sure. the Sermon on the Mount is canonized. And it talks about the way of life and the way of death. And like th- that thing was like much more widespread um, because it was a very short little document, pretty easy to copy and spread around. So like churches, like that was their thing during that time was like, sure. we've got this or we've got this epistle or we've got that epistle or you know, we've got some of the the Jewish scriptures and whatnot. So the one thing um, I would yeah. say is I don't mean to cut you off. But oh, you're, you're good, the, dude. You're good. The one thing I would say is the church, we didn't think the church didn't exist at that point. No, yeah, yeah. Um, but stands, it did need to, um, what, what they would say is it would needed, it needed restoration or repair at that point. Yeah. After 80, 20, um, it has existed, but stands in need of repair and reform to function oh, yeah. as designed right to on. function. Jesus's yeah. design needs no improvement, but to so that's kind of like that's kind of when I think of like the Reformation because I'm in the Reformed Church in America. The Reformation comes out of you know Luther, Calvin. Calvin really is is our our sort of uh father right our church father you know sure he starts he he starts um the reformation stuff in geneva and uh so we get dutch reformed out of that and and what yeah what what calvin is calling for and even luther too like luther I, i'd say like a lot of great things but i mean he's still there's still a lot of things about him that are, are about lutheranism that are still very catholic Sure. So, so Calvin goes a step further and says, uh, and, and, and puts a lot of things like the Catholic church and even, even a little bit of what Luther was, was arguing for and saying like, no, like we don't, we don't do any, we don't do this stuff. And he, and he starts pulling from sort of that pre, even that pre 533 time that he, like this little chart has is like a safe zone. <laughs> But like he starts pulling Athanasius, John Chrysostom, um, all all these early early church fathers. I mean, he he calls John Chrysostom the greatest Bible interpreter to ever live, um, and so he starts pulling from them and and the great tradition, as it's called. I think well, evangelicals and Protestantism is getting that language now. I've noticed, but. Yeah, it seems like my Greek Orthodox friends use great tradition a little more so than than we do. But he starts pulling from the great tradition, saying, you know, why, you know, all these things that sort of at the time Roman Catholicism has become, 
and is doing he's like if we if we go back to the guys who were there right after the church is starting receiving these like fresh documents um some of them being disciples of the disciples of the apostles or or even you know polycarp who is the last disciple of of the apostle john and so he's like if we if we start looking to them we can get a much clearer and much better picture of what the church should be and he and he starts to bring that into uh the the 1500s and he said and and reforming the church that way and there is still like this element because the early church fathers it's all sort of it's like it's it's scripture alone i mean it's limited for them but a lot of it is again like you know this this way of life that they've been discipled in so so calvin is arguing for like yes we need scripture alone um to guide us we don't need papal authority we don't need um you know, history is great and all this old stuff is awesome. And, and we take what we absolutely cannot, you know, the essentials, right? Sure. So like, we take the essentials and we say, this is what the and scripture and, and the creeds, which, you know, kind of sounds like he's saying scripture and tradition are equal weight, but really it's like scripture is numero uno. And then you have like Apostles Creed and then like he comes up with the Geneva Confession or Catechism, I think. And really what those are is for us to like, when we're reading scripture, we have something that is ancient and has been done, like has been interpreted for us before. So that way, if we're reading scripture and we walk away, if you walk away from scripture saying like, um, Jesus was a created being. Um, well, there's these check marks that would say, no, you're wrong. Like maybe rethink that, that translator, your uh, interpretation there, bud. And so like he sees them as very necessary. So like, I, and I'll, I hate that we're describing visual things so much, but or I am so much, but the image that I know of or like I see is like, you have this, um, you have like this foundation and it's like, I don't remember what the foundation is called in this photo, but then it says the Bible and like, there's the Bible and it's just kind of an open layout. And so like interpretation just kind of goes all over the walls. And then the second image is sort of the same thing. It's um, the foundation with like the Bible and then interpretation, but then the pillars on either side of it are like the different, creeds catechisms confessions which is kind of bold for like reform people to be like these are like our creeds and catechisms from the 16 15 and 1600s are pillars so that's kind of a that's kind of a jerk move on our part but like and i think but i think any denomination if you have those sort of documents you use them not like to say like it's above scripture but to say like these kind of keep bound. These are out of bounds lines, right? Like if you go off sure. the field, it means you've, you've jumped over one of these things to try and create that. And that's something that we had um, in our particular area here in, here in West Michigan, you know, like 30 years ago, uh, there was a reform pastor who started preaching universalism. Um, so like uh, there's just one God in all religions are a different way to get to God. Sure. And immediately all the other pastors in the area were like, Nope, you're wrong. <laughs> and eventually he gets kicked out and all huh. that. So, which is a bummer, but like most Bible believing Christians 
would be like, oh, that's not true. But like sure. having having sort of those backgrounds, you can be like, oh, hey, here's why you're wrong. Uh, so, anyways, so, that was a big roundabout thing. About, yeah. So, so you get into this. Uh, I would say church, um, like a church lady. Um, yeah, lady. dog. So, like. Tell me, tell me a little about your like the sure. background that you guys have with that, like how our does church that, that work, yeah. The way that ours are set up, so um, the way, so the way the the Reformed Church in America organizes its churches is it really starts with the local church. Okay. So each church is governed by a consistory which okay. is made up of elders and deacons and a pastor or like a commission pastor or lay pastor, whatever, depending on, on what's going on there. And then each consistory. So um, not the church itself, but the consistory is governed by a classes, which is in our case, it's grouped up by uh, geography. So I'm in, you know, my classes, where I'm at is it spans like three or four cities that are all within 20 minutes of each other. All right. So, so this group of churches uh, gets together and meets twice a year. Whereas like their classes, uh, they meet twice a year. Consistories meet like however often you make them meet. We used to meet like every month, but now I think we meet every other month good for those people and then so uh-huh. the, so like so you have the consistory level which is the local church classes which is sort of a grouping of churches and then you have regional synod which is above the classes which is like that is like a that's like states are involved so like where i'm at it's from like michigan to kentucky is our oh, region wow. yeah it's a huge region um and I think there's eight regions total in the country um, or between America and Canada. And then um, then you have general synod above that, which is all of the churches. It governs, you know, it governs sort of at the national sure. level. Um, what's nice, what I like about the Reformed Church in America uh, a little bit is like a little bit more than some others, but uh, not saying it's like the best, but... Um, is like the even though there's all these levels, um, there's still there's still quite a bit of like autonomy, a little bit at the con- uh, not like complete autonomy, but like a lot more than than some other local right. churches, but in de- denominations. So we have a lot of autonomy. Well, we're not like the Baptists where we have like complete autonomy, but we're not like Anglicans or Episcopalians where like they all have right. a bishop and stuff. So. So, we have we have some autonomy at the local church level, which is really all right. Good. So, yeah, we we have a lot of uh, we have basically if if you look at the independent churches, it'd be independent Christian churches is one of the big things, and there is a lot of autonomy there. So, like it's run basically for lack of way better words in house. Yeah. So, like there is no outside governing like i would for lack of way better words again authority <laughs> outside yeah. of scripture so we have elder like especially at our yeah. church it's an independent christian church um there are a group of elders and um 
and the church has like almost for uh again lack of better words autonomy full full autonomy so there is no like uh, right i mean yes we get along with other churches and things like that but there's no other yeah uh, so i would say besides god right yeah where so like i see what we're what we kind of what we kind of have our stuff from is like it's sort of so when you're thinking like catholicism or greek orthodox or even like anglicans and episcopalians kind of follow this a bit but like i don't know much about lutherans but like there's they have bishops right and so where that kind of comes from is that early church model where like you know paul was considered like a bishop right like Sure. He had all these churches that he helped start and then he put pastors in place, but then he still kind of governed or like would, you know, he writes all these letters to these churches from afar and he's still having like an influence and he would visit them when he could and all that. So absolutely, he, he sort of was like a bishop. And so, you know, those, the, any, any sort of branch that carries on bishop stuff uses the uh, language of like apostolic succession. Oh, sure. And so like, you know, they'll, they'll say, so like the Greek Orthodox, they, they have bishops and they have like archbishops and metropolitan bishops, wow. but like there's no, there's nobody above the bishops, Okay. Um, which is where like Catholicism gets like, you know, the Pope right above sure. the bishops and all that. So ours is sort of like a knockoff of that is the okay. way I see it is like, um, we just kind of like have, we don't use the language language of bishops and like, because elders and deacons change every year within the local congregations, sure. which means who's representing a local church at the classes level changes every year, which means who's representing the, you know, the classes at regional sit-in changes every year. And then who's rep- representing the region at general synod changes wow. every year, sort of like pastors stay the same, but elders can fluctuate and change. Sure. But, uh, but like, essentially we say like, you're going to go to this gathering on our behalf as like a knockoff Bishop in a way, (laughs) like, sure. Um, and so, and like these different governing bodies will act at at least above the, above the consistory level. Cause like there is in scripture, like churches should have elders and deacons, right. And, uh, In place and that's just a good thing for churches to have so and I, and I, did, I fully everything agree everything above that is sort of like knockoff bishopry which is sure which is kind of funny to me like we might as well just use that language but we don't so <laughs> That'd be easier, like, yeah. like instead of referring to the rca president we should refer to him as the rca bishop but whatever <laughs> who am i who am I? No, so that's that's kind of where we get that from. I think I don't know. I don't know for sure on that. It just seems like that's what we're trying to follow, but we sure. just don't do it with one person, you know, who serves for twenty or thirty years or whatever, Absolutely. and then retires, and then we find a new bishop or whatever. So, yeah, so that's that's what what's going on there. But right. I can definitely like I can definitely see like. There's advantages of like, yeah, you're kind of on your own, but there's, I think there's advantages of, of being within a, within a system, which is like, so anti-punk rock of me to say, so, <laughs> which is maybe why I want to like tear down the system from within, but. 
I have that. <laughs> I have like that natural inclination. I feel like. part of the system that like so, not to be part of one of the things I for sure want to talk about is like. Oh, actually, I want to talk about these two things for yeah. For real. And we can probably quick gloss over it because, like, it's not as bad as I think it is. I think. Okay. Uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament stuff. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Like, what's what's going on there? Like, I get like heavy reliance on New Testament. Like, you because you kind of said that, so maybe sure. I'm, maybe and I'm and not. there is there is a heavy. But reliance. you're you're not like full on like what's the guy from Atlanta? Uh, Andy Stanley was it last year? He was like, we got to unhitch from the Old Testament. We oh, got to no, get no, rid no, of that no. thing. Absolutely not. Which is like an I mean, old be, heresy. Oh, that'd be absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I could. Um, I think they see an importance of it. Um, but there's also... Um, uh, Do they see it? As, so like Paul says, like, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching um all that exhortation rebuking correction. i would i would i would want to say yes um okay i would um but i'm not again i'm not no i'm not an expert on this i would definitely you say i i would say yes um, okay okay i don't think it's anything that they like ah just chuck it you know yeah and but, they wouldn't say like two different gods right like there's the no. god of the old testament and the god of the new testament no, no. Okay, no. cool, cool. All right. I'm just making sure. Just making sure. No, I understand. I, I and don't then, think that's what they would say. Yeah, because I think we, in the reform, well, I mean, it's hard because we're speaking broadly, but like, and I, I think the state of American evangelicalism is like, I don't know. We, we say there's equal weight to the to the whole Bible, but if you go into... You know, you could you could examine a thousand sermons from like this coming Sunday, just like randomly pick churches, and I'm betting like ninety percent, ninety five percent of them will be New Testament. So sure, um, and I that's that's Reformed Church and everything. So um, so yeah, but because I'd say like in our doctrine, we would say like they're both equal. Obviously, New Testament gives us the revelation of the new covenant but they see it sure. as like beginning to end. And this is from John Calvin, like beginning to end. This is the story of God's redemptive mission um, for, for the world. And like, you don't get a without B and you can't get, or you don't get B without a C without B. And so you walk through like the covenant with Adam, the covenant with Moses or Abraham, Noah, Moses, all that. So just kind of, just kind of like working through scripture as one whole unified story is, is, is where we kind of land on that. So, but again, I think practically you, any, you, and I'll say that you, if you were to survey all of the reformed churches in North America, I bet you 95% of them will be preaching out of the new Testament this Sunday, but sure. Um, and like for most of the year, um, Sure. But then the, the save by grace thing, um, yeah. that I for sure want to talk about with our last couple minutes Absolutely. here. Cause yeah. I think we're, we're coming up on 45 ish or so minutes. That's cool. I mean, um, on this chart, 
Um, Which one? One of the the one you sent me that I'm gonna try to put in the show notes. Oh, is it the five finger one or the big one? No, no, I didn't get that five finger one before we oh. started. But I'm okay. looking at the the one you the you know the branches of the church and whatever the streams or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, in there, uh, where is it? I had it. Um. Either way, it says uh, there's this column on the left that says introduction of heretical doctrines. Sure. And um, there it is. Salvation by faith only through grace is listed as a heretical doctrine. What (laughs) is going on, man? Like (laughs) what in the world? Is this where your five finger death punch comes into play or what? I think so. So like, I, you know, I think I could be wrong. Um, well, cause so like you, yeah, go on. Sorry. So there is the, the document that I sent earlier that you might be able to attach is the, it's a five finger exercise. Um, got to get so those reps in is, is, is one of the, what'd you say? You got to get those reps in that five yeah, right. finger exercise, Yeah, five finger exercise, uh, faith in Christ, uh, repentance of sin, immersion into Christ, remission of sin and Holy spirit. And that all of those things would be eternal life. One of the things that is mentioned in our text, well, at least one of the things that I've read before about the um, uh, stone, at least the restoration movement, was that there is some, uh, I would say, almost an understanding that salvation can be lost due to not doing these things anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, say if I don't... um, like I don't know how exactly it would really work, but like uh, not living, I guess, uh, for lack lack of better words, would be not living a Christian lifestyle. You Salvation is something you can lose. Uh, it, it could be interpreted that way. Okay. Yeah, because that's something that, like, yeah, I mean, we, I, I don't know what the once saved, always saved kind of thing. Oh, sure. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, that's something that for me, just sort of naturally as a, as a recovering Catholic in a, in a skeptical, uh, Protestant, sure. uh, reformed church member, like anything that sort of, um, smells like works, works righteousness or works salvation, sure. I automatically want to slam, but I think there is like that, like we would say it with our the doctrine of sanctification what we hold to is like if you're a believer or if you're saved sure you will have evidence of your salvation you'll bear fruit right like absolutely um, you know there's the parable of the tree or i mean jesus's interaction with the tree of you know looks like a healthy tree but it bears bad fruit or no fruit sure. and so then he curses the tree so like you can look like a good tree but if you're still bearing bad and rotten fruit um then you know it's like well you know are you do you have the holy spirit are you saved and so um i think like we're we're much more prone to go off and this is something that you know with studying like early church history um i kind of am like oh maybe we are way too lax on things because we yeah we would just kind of say like well he confesses he's a believer and he prayed the prayer and he 
goes to church every Sunday and no, nobody's perfect and uh, all that stuff. But like, I think there's a degree of, and, and really today's terms, I'd say like cultural Christianity, right? Like people who identify as Christian only because they grew up that way or whatever. And sure. And I think, yeah, and that's going away more so with, with millennials, but um, I think you're right. I think it really dropped off with gen X, but um, yeah, there is this degree of like, you should be bearing fruit and not that we say, you know, everybody should be at the same point in their journey as everybody else. But uh, there's something to be said of like habitual sin, which is something that like I've had to think through a lot recently is like, yeah, we sin. And then hopefully either somebody will call us to account for our sin and we'll have the opportunity to repent and believe again in the, in the gospel and to, uh, to, to hopefully fight that sin with the help of the spirit. Sure. Or the spirit will reveal this sin in us and we'll be confronted with it that way. And we will have to um, repent and believe again in the good news, right? This new way of living and that's something I I would I would strongly agree yeah, with. Uh, right. And like and that's and so then we fight that sin and you know maybe we never struggle with that sin again or maybe it comes up later in life whatever but like sure. we would say you know we're growing in our sanctification in our walk with Christ and looking more and more like the image of Christ. Um but obviously we still struggle with other sins and we'll never be perfect on this side of heaven. But it, it it's very much like rooted in like, yeah, you know, repentance is key. And so, you know, you can you can call somebody to account on their sin and they may like dig their heels in and say, I'm not sinning. You're a jerk. Sure. Or you can't judge me. Only God can. Sure. And yeah. then like, it's like, like that, yes, happen, right? you should be terrified. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, yeah. You know, they may be ready to hear it. They may not be, but we can't say just because they rejected it that um, they won't ever repent of it. But there is a degree of like, you know, we have church discipline, which is like, hey, you've been called, you know, if I go to you, Jeff, and say, Jeff, I see that this is the way you've been acting. Um, This is sinful and you should repent and you tell me to screw off. (laughs) then I would go get somebody else and we would both go to you and say, yeah, we've both seen this. You should repent. And you say, both of you screw off. And then we would go to um, like the path, like elders and deacons and stuff. Go go before the church. And we'd say, Jeff, we've all noticed this repent. And you'd say, all of you screw off. And then we would, you know, you would be, we would consider you to not be saved. And it wouldn't be like we would be trying to kick you out of the church. Rather, it's us looking to like we clearly need to be preaching the gospel more to Jeff because we're we would treat you more like an unbeliever than we would a Christian. Sure. So you know, that's I sort of that walk with it. So I, I like that way of doing it um, personally. Um, Dude, just that- join the Reformed Church, man. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff's professor. Oh, I, you know, I, I, I think um, I, I like the way of doing that. Like, you know, having that, and I actually think, if I remember correctly, that's one of the examples that I see in scripture. I don't remember. That's Matthew where. eighteen. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, you know, I think that's a good way of doing it. I think, um, especially with there, and I, 
like I said I, many times, I'm no expert, but I think that would be something that would be brought up would be, and, and even in that there's a, um, one of the things that we talk about in our book that he has us read, which is the Institute of Christian history. Um, they have us, um, there's a section on this that they read about where he, they're talking about one of the uh, meetings um, that they have. It's a um, revival at like uh, Cane Ridge. It was one of part of the, the, they call the second great awakening, something like that. Um, they, they focus on <laughs> the preaching be like strong um, called salvation. <laughs> um, so like dangers of hell, <laughs> like the, Sinners uh, in the hands of an angry God. Yeah, pretty much. Like, nice. uh, you know, uh, the wrath of God. And uh, uh, one of the actually, they actually do mention achieving salvation through actions. And it's not exactly that, but the, the, de- the, um, the, the other side of at least one of the messages was that the love of God in Christ, his atoning death, which if accepted would relieve the load of sin guilt the rest of godly uh, result and would result in a godly life prepare the per- and prepare the person for the beauty and glory of heaven hmm. so i think there is a call for repentance yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. especially to a and i think this would be that one big thing in unity like we had mentioned earlier um with unity being such a big thing, um, the confession of sin there is is part of. Um, yeah, that's that's a huge call of like. I mean, that's the first call, right? It, sure. Like Jesus is preaching that, but like literally the first non or the first sermon preached that isn't Jesus is Peter saying, you know, he he brings this list of charges to the Israelites and they go, what do we do? Sure. And he says, repent and be baptized. And you know what? It, the first round is like 3000 were added that day. And then the oh, 5,000. Sure, yeah. like and, and so like, numbers, yeah. but repent and be baptized. And then like, that's just sort of the rhythm that we live in and not that we constantly get rebaptized but that like we believe again the good news of Jesus and yes. and that's sort of the difference is like if you're if you're sort of obstinate or like stubborn when you're called to account of your sin then you know we would say like okay well you need to believe the gospel in this area of your life that Jesus frees you from this or you're called to new life Rather than like, if somebody's just sort of like, if you're digging your heels in, yeah. that's a much different thing than like, you know, we've called you to repent of this. You've repented and you know, you, but like it comes back, right? Like, uh, and I oh, think sure. a lot with like sort of um, illnesses kind of things so like alcoholism. So oh, sure. I think of like how like, you know, people can be clean for 10 years and then suddenly they just they just start drinking like crazy again, and so Which and we I wouldn't we wouldn't that, we wouldn't say hi yeah I could easily get into that one yeah <laughs> but like we wouldn't say like just because they started drinking again they're not saved we would say their faith still saves them by the grace of Jesus Christ I know that was just an example but I'd say that it's a um, for me 
um, with my background and and I do a, a substance abuse counseling, I would say that'd be even another different gray area of, you know, not, I'm not justifying what anybody does by any means, but I will say that that'd be a different, I would, it'd be, it'd be an area where I take it a little bit more, um, possibly even lightly, um, not lightly as in they're like justifying what they're doing, but be something that I take into more consideration if, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but if you're, you know, if you're just a jerk to people and, and people are like, Hey man, don't be a jerk. And you're like, heck you, man, I'm going to keep right. being a jerk. Then we're gonna be like, all right, that's a problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, so, I, yeah or, you know, I definitely agree. And we, that. we pray that hopefully the spirit opens their eyes and, and their heart to that and to receive that. But anyway, but like, there's still like this element of like, if you believe um, it's because you've been given, you've been given faith through grace and you've received that grace. And as you keep receiving that grace, you're still believing, you're still held as a believer and you're bearing that fruit in different ways. And, and it can be slow. It can be quick. It can be, sure. you know, whatever. But like, if, if that fruit isn't there, then we, then we kind of say like, maybe, maybe the gospel hasn't been preached to them. Okay. And we need to preach it to them and they can receive faith through the grace you know, it's not something that they have to try or they have to like check off different things. It's rather like they'll believe because they've been given the spirit. Okay. And, and that's, that's sort of it. So like, it, it's not necessarily like a, um, like, you know, did you do your five things today or did you do your 10 things today? Or sure. did you do it? You know, it's like, no, you have this faith because it was given to you and you received it. And so, you know, as long as you keep receiving it, we'll, we'll, yeah, this guy's a Christian, um, oh, sure. believer of Jesus. So, um, so that was just interesting to me because I, I think for me coming into the reformed church, that was sort of the easiest thing for me to gather. Sure. Some of the harder things, like I think you, yeah, it's listed here as a, a heresy again, but like depravity, total depravity. And that was kind of harder, but then what, I kind of, what do you say total depravity? What do you mean? Like, so total depravity being like none of our works, all of our works, sort of like Paul says, even our best works are like filthy rags. Um, like yeah. Nothing we do can save us. Um, and it's all through the grace of Jesus. And so that's, that's one of the things that was harder for me to get over because I was like, well, I think I do some pretty good work. Well, sure. I think, I think I deserve to be credited for my good works. Um, but then it's like, ah, my works aren't really that great. God's salvation plan. So sure. And I think that I honestly, I, I believe that some, we do strive to do our best. And I think that's what, um, yeah. uh, we're, I think we're called to do our best. Um, but I don't think it's, it'll ultimately be the thing that'll save us. Yeah. Um, and I, we're called to live the life of Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. No, Albeit yeah. imperfectly, but that's what we're called to. And sure. We're all just trying to do it to the best of our abilities. And some of us have church polity. Some of us don't. Some of us oh, have sure. creeds and catechism. Some of us don't. 
And there's a no, whole so. lot. Of <laughs> Dude, uh, we could, we could, oh man. We yeah, could. I, I like a lot of this, um, like, like a lot of these discussions and yeah, I, I, um, there's a lot of things that, yes, we might be focusing on this for this given assignment, but there's yeah. a whole lot of things that I like a lot about. Um, so like, for example, I'm a, I really like, um, personally, I like like Martin Luther and stuff like that. And, um, Dude. There um, is, there's a, there's a, a great wealth of, I would say, knowledge from a lot of different places. And while, yes, we're, t- I'm talking about like the restoration movement in this, yeah, uh, this sense, I would say that um, it is something that I find really interesting and I can take a lot of, um, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of things I, I like to, I would say, for lack of better words, maybe draw from mm-hmm. um, that I find, it, well, at least in my own faith, um, helpful. Mm, yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's, I agree, man. Like coming to a place of like, there are some things that I hold tightly to, like with a closed fist, Matt Chandler uses that language of a closed fist. Sure. And then there are things that with an open hand, like I'm willing to like let go of, but I'm also willing to like receive, like, I think one of the, one of the most in the last year, one of the most beneficial, nah, not ben- that sounds like I'm just looking for things to work for me, <laughs> but like something that has really just like enriched my relationship with, with, uh, with God is like some of the, like the, uh, like the, the spirituality of the Orthodox church. There's some things theologically that I'm like, eh, but like a lot of their practices that they, they have and they've had embedded for, you know, 15, 2000 years, you know, 1500 years. Um, you know, it's just like stuff that I'm like, yeah, the former Catholic in me is like, Oh, this is awesome. But I don't have to like think about a Pope or whatever. Um, But like, so I, I've really loved a lot of that stuff. And I've loved also balancing like, you know, the Orthodox Church, you know, is still doing worship the way they were like 1500 years ago or whatever. But like, well, sure. and I, so and then I like, really like, like receiving like, yeah, there's some issues with modern worship, but like, there is just some beautiful stuff in modern worship that I'm like, man, I'm so glad for this. I'm so glad for this. I'm so glad for all the work that all these church fathers did to, to, to make sure the church um, was set up really well throughout the ages. And I'm glad to inherit this, this history and, and I'm glad to remain open to all these other traditions and, and all that. So, yeah, I know. I, I, I definitely agree with that. There's a lot of things I like learning about and, you know, um, going off, off of that there, there's a lot of things like, you i believe that i can take a lot of out from like i guess for lack of better words you can um i would say like you can use maybe um uh discernment i would say Mm, yeah yeah what you really want maybe believe you can get out of it or what maybe um, and I'm not saying taking things out of uh, context, but I'm saying um, there might be things that 
might be used to uh, better help better understand your own personal, uh, if you take it um, that way, your own personal um, beliefs, I guess. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think um, without taking things too out of context, I would say that they would be relatively um, helpful that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, dude. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Do you? That sounds great. You agree? Um, yes, perfect, man. I think we've been going at it for about an hour. That's awesome. Um, well, cool Jeff, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for asking me to do this with you. Well, thanks for having uh, me. This is, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to like, I'm glad I could, uh, you know, one, have a good conversation. Number two is get assignment done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, it's always good to, uh, reconnect, uh, with a good friend and, um, you know, I yeah, enjoy dude. that. So, and I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you soon when you come up. So yes, hopefully, hopefully. Definitely. I'll, I'll try to make that work. I know we're, I'll, I'll definitely be in touch about that. Right on, man. Maybe we can do one of these in person. Who knows? Um, well, on that note, um, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening, Jeff's professor. Um, uh, hopefully he did good work. I think he did good work, but don't let that sway you. Uh, if you like our podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever you're listening to and also to, uh, give us five stars and then you can give us an honest review. Uh, we honestly just want those five stars. Um, we don't care what you write in the review. Uh, so the Narthex podcast, wherever you're listening to, um, be sure to do that. Uh, in the meantime, y'all, uh, Brian and I'll probably see you next week. Bye guys. I'm not going to